the Bible was written by Jews. And in order to understand the Bible, you cannot understand what a Jewish Jesus and a Jewish Paul and a Jewish Peter and a Jewish uh, uh, Isaiah, you cannot understand what, they, what, the, what the Bible means by reading it from American eyes or by reading it from Protestant eyes or reading it from Roman eyes. You have to read it through the eyes of Jews. And one of the great things that we don't understand is the is the realiza- or the the teaching in the Bible about divorce. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 God hates divorce. Amen. But he doesn't hate the person who's gone through divorce. Now, let me give you an example. I have I have heard since I got saved. Now, I don't know if you've ever been taught this or not, but I've been heard since I got saved if someone commits suicide that person goes to hell. How many have ever heard that? It's false teaching. It's a false teaching. It's a teaching that comes out of Protestant understanding instead of out of Hebrew understanding. God hates suicide, but he doesn't hate the person. Can you imagine a person's mindset that they are so in turmoil that they take their own lives? Anybody that takes their own life, nobody hurts themselves on purpose. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, we do we do everything so that we're not hurt. And so if we're in such a state of pain that we stop our own lives, that person is not in their right mind. Now, I know what you've been taught, but you got, if you're going to move into the end-time blessing understanding of the Bible, you've got to make sure you're not an old wineskin. Now, let me say this. God loves old wineskins. He doesn't hate old wineskins. He just hates some the, 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 the limitations that an old wineskin has on him. But as you study the Hebrew understanding of the Scriptures, God hates suicide. Because that person is being attacked so much that they are stopping the destiny that God has for them. But he doesn't hate that person. Does that make sense? See, you know, uh, I, I probably have an advantage on a lot of people. I wasn't raised in church. And so I didn't have a lot of preconceived ideas. I, I can remember when... when uh, uh, man, before Tiz and I were even married, I was probably six months old in the Lord. And uh, uh, I ran the, the, the youth ministry like my son does down in the other building. And one day in my house, there was a knock on the door and there was this little girl. She was 14, 15 years old. I'd met her in the youth ministry and uh, um, she'd come a few weeks before and, and uh, she belonged to another church, a, 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 a denomination. And she knocked on my door and she said, I was a youth pastor, she said, Pastor Larry. And the story of it was that her father just committed suicide the day, two days, day before, two days before. And, and the story on that was that he had cancer in his face. And, you know, this was, gosh, this is 30, 31 years ago, and they didn't know how to treat anything or, or, or do anything. And, in, and it literally ate a hole through his face. 
And he wrote a note, and he said, I know I shouldn't do this, but I can't, I can't deal with this anymore of not just what it's doing to me, but what it's doing to my family and everything, and he took some pills and everything. Well, the church said, well, he's burning in hell. Now, I want you to know something. The God I serve is more merciful than that. Amen? He's more merciful than that. And we need to understand that, that if, if someone goes through a tragedy, God hates that tragedy, but he loves that person. Read with me in Matthew chapter 19. This is one of the main ones. There are several ones, but I want to explain it again and then go on from there. Matthew chapter 19, verse 3. Then the Pharisees also came to him, testing him, saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just for any reason? Is it lawful for, his, for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Now, let me stop right there. In Judaism, when you got engaged, that person was legally your wife. That's why David said, and I don't, I don't take time to go read the scriptures. David said, go and get so-and-so, my wife, who I am betrothed to. Now, in our society, in our thinking, a, a, a woman, Tiz was not my wife until we said the, the vows, gave each other rings, and, and the minister said, I now pronounce you man and wife. Okay? Then, at that time, Tiz was my wife. But in Judaism, had we been engaged or betrothed to each other 2,000 years ago, the moment I said, I want you as my wife, and she said, I want you as my husband, usually a year separated the engagement, the betrothal, from the wedding, legally, I was married to her. Now, I wasn't allowed to have marital relationships. We're separated. And today, you may be engaged, but until you say, I do, you don't. So I get engaged to tis. A year has separated us. There's no contract signed. There's no word set yet. There's not the wedding ceremony. But legally, according to Jewish law, I am legally, uh, she is legally my wife. Now, once the year comes together, then we get married. Then we say, then there's other obligations. So the reason why this scripture is written, God says, well, you know, they're trying to trick. Listen, these religious guys that are trying to trick Jesus are the same ones who brought the woman caught in the act of adultery and were willing to watch this woman get stoned just to trick Jesus. So these religious leaders didn't care about the person. They just cared about their legalism. So Jesus says, you don't understand. Moses wrote this. It's called in Hebrew a get. It would be our it would be our equivalency today, sort of to a divorce decree. If a man and a woman, if you're married to a woman or you're married to a man, after you say the vows, and then you guys separate, and you don't see each other for twenty years, and you marry somebody over here, and he or she marries somebody, if you didn't sign that decree then you're committing adultery and she or he's committing adultery. 
even though you're separated for 20 years, until you sign that decree, you can't marry someone else, you can't sleep with somebody else, because legally, in the eyes of God, you're still married. Do you have it? Well, that's what Moses was dealing with. So, so I would, let's say I, got, I, I gave my, my, my pledge to Tiz. She gives her pledge to me. We're separated, that engagement period, the betrothal period, for one year. But while we're separated, uh, I, fi- I decide, you know what? I, I, I found somebody with more money, or I found somebody that I want to, and so I just dump her. Now, you've got to understand, they're not living in the same village. You didn't marry in the same village mostly because there's too much chance to be related. So you're married to somebody that may be a, a, a two-week journey or a 10-day journey. So the chances are you never see them. And so all of a sudden I said, well, forget about her. I found somebody else I like. But because in the eyes of God in those days, I'm still married to her. So Moses said... You got to, even though you didn't say the words, you got to give that person a, a, a get or a divorce paper because if you said yes to her and she said yes to you and then you dump her, even though you didn't say the words, you got to take care of her until her father can find somebody else to marry her because you've taken her off the market. It's not like husbands were everywhere. You're talking about small villages. Okay, it's not like you, you know you can go on the internet and and uh, and oigavout uh, dates are us. Okay, so 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 Moses had to write it and said because of the hardness of your heart, you're you still got to take care of her. She's 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 not been on the market. She's wearing that ring with, remember I told you Sunday, with the ten coins. That's why the woman lost the one coin and she's fi- she looks frantically because if she lost that coin, it meant she was being unfaithful. Now watch this. So let's say the guy doesn't give her the writ, the get, the writ of divorce. And he goes and marries somebody else and does the ceremony. The scripture says then that you are committing adultery and you're causing her to commit adultery. But you've got to understand, you understand what I'm saying? But you've got to understand it in the Hebrew. Even though you did it and you went and married someone and didn't give her the, the get, the divorce, she goes and marries someone in legalism, she is committing adultery because she's married to someone when you, when you said yes to her. But in the eyes of God, she is not really committing adultery because she's not the problem, she's the victim. He's using that as an example, not as an example of judgment. Let me give you an example. I was telling telling Tiz, I said, how can I explain this? And it came to me. Years ago, when Tiz and I were pastoring our first church in Santa Fe, New Mexico, we'd been pastoring for about two months, and I had this, this, this great uh, uh, friend of mine, tremendous preacher, came in and held us a meeting. He's an evangelist. 
And I mean to tell you, the Holy Ghost was moving. I mean, people are getting healed. People are getting saved. I mean, it's just people are shouting. It's just one of those wild services. And man, I'm over here praying for people. I mean, the music's playing. It was just going. And all of a sudden, I hear this friend of mine go, we're going to have a wedding. And I went, what? Well, this couple that came in for the meeting they had uh, a license to get married. They were going to get married in the weekend. They, the, the Holy Ghost was moving. They said, let's just get married now. And so all of a sudden the, the, the evangelist said, do you take him and do you take her? I pronounce you man and wife. People are throwing paper and all excited. And they ran out the door and everybody's shouting. And after the service, he came to me and he goes, I think we got a problem. I said, what's the problem? He goes, I don't think I'm licensed in this state. And he wasn't. His license didn't carry over into New Mexico. So we couldn't find him. They went and got a motel. They're celebrating. It took us till noon the next day to track him down. At the motel, I had to redo the, the wedding. Now, how many know they didn't just hold hands that night? Right? Okay, so in legality, what did they do? Committed adultery or fornication. But in the eyes of God, they didn't. They were a victim of circumstance. See, it amazes me how the church who is saved by grace is so ready to push everybody into judgment. How many understand this a little better now? Okay, now God hates divorce. Amen. But he doesn't hate the person who's gone through divorce. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. Now, I know, I know that this kind of teaching upsets people because, because, you know, to be honest with you, so many Christians, you know, I, I, I relate to most Christians like this. We're so narrow-minded we can look through a keyhole with both eyes. Don't confuse me with scripture. I got my doctrine. But the word, the the doctrine of man makes the word of God to no effect. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There is how much condemnation? None. Okay, let me ask you something. Is doing drugs okay in the eyes of God? How many did drugs before you knew Jesus? Don't lie now. I'm moving the Holy Ghost. Call you right out. Is stealing okay in the eyes of God? Is cheating okay in the eyes of God? Is lying okay in the eyes of God? But how many believe that once you come to God, that is washed away... And God cannot bring that up. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. What Satan has meant for evil, God will use it for good. One of the launching pads for my ministry is that I was a heroin addict. That's what's got me on television before I had a television program. That's what gets me speaking in places from the, from the prisons to the White House is that one time I was a drug addict and a drug dealer, and now I'm a preacher. 
Well, why is it okay that God would use someone who used to ruin people's lives by selling them drugs, but he can never use someone who had been divorced and then come to the Lord and say, God, forgive me, my fault, his fault, her fault, in-laws' fault, drugs' fault, stupidity fault, uh, ignorance fault, sin fault. There is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. One sweet, now this is not, and I know I don't have to say this, but I'll say it for the gainsayers because there's always those who are going to go, uh, you know, this is not giving an excuse. Go, okay, man, I'm going to go divorce my wife and I'm going to trade in my 50 for 225s and, 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 uh, and pastor said, God will still use me. If you do it like that, you're going to pay a price. We're talking about what's already happened. We're not talking about an open door. We're talking about what's already happened. There is how much condemnation? Now look at, go with me to Revelations chapter 12. Now I know people, I know religious people don't like this because boy, we are so set in our ways that, that we, we have a hard time becoming that new wineskin. Look at Revelations chapter 12. Do you have it? Look at verse, look at verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Who's he talking about there? Satan. Here the word of God says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And I got to tell you, he's been using the church for 2,000 years. How many people have heard, well, I've been divorced, or you've been divorced, or they've been divorced, and I guess God can't use me now because my husband left me, or I left my husband, or my wife left me, or I left my wife, and we hear it over and over and over and over and over again, and here's, here who Christ says, God says there is no condemnation. And the Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and here he is accusing people. Listen, if God can forgive me of what I did as a drug dealer, surely God can forgive you. You know, I was a drug dealer 30 years ago. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, and so are you if you've gone through any of these things that Satan is accusing you. You know, I love this. I love the teaching. We, we said this Sunday, but I just felt that either somebody here needs to hear it or somebody that's going to buy this tape needs to hear it, is that Jesus is standing there and the religious. You know what I found out after 31 years, 32 years of ministry? Real self-righteous people are hiding something. You know, it's like the mob. When the mob says all the mobs living in New York, you know they're living in Chicago. Whenever a preacher is always harping on some particular sin, watch out. Watch out. Amen. I'm telling you from experience. People who are really self-righteous usually have the deepest sin. They have that, that hidden sin. I thank God I'm not like other people. No, and other people, thank God they're not like you. 
Because those who realize that we are saved by grace, those who are forgiven much, loveth much. Jesus standing there and the religious bring a woman caught in the act of adultery. Caught. Now, I'm not going to ask for hands, but if you want to be legalistic, if you want to be legalistic about about and not understand the grace of God concerning divorce, anyone in this building that has ever committed adultery, we need to line you up and stone you. If you want to be legalistic, let's go. You know, if you're going to live by legalism, you got to go all the way. So they bring this woman caught in the act of adultery. She didn't go through a divorce. She was a prostitute. Now, I don't know about what churches you've gone through, but Tiz and I have had hundreds of prostitutes get saved in our ministry over 31 years, become women of God uh, in the ministry, used of God. But they came and they brought this woman. They didn't care about this woman. They didn't care about legalism. They just wanted to trap Jesus. But in their self-righteous, Jesus saw them. Amen? That's why the Bible, the Bible teaches us. The Bible says to put away the pointing of the finger. You know, for every finger you're pointing, there's three more pointing back at you. Put away. Oh, they were divorced. And what, what are you doing presently? Because if you were perfect and I was perfect, We'd be like Enoch, who was and then uh, uh, was not, but we still is, so we ain't. Amen? If you're perfect, you'd be caught up. Somewhere in this room, somebody's got a pride problem. Somewhere in this room, somebody's robbing God. Somewhere in this room, somebody's a gossip. Somewhere in this room, somebody's a backbiter. The woman caught in the act of adultery, and Jesus begins the right something in the sand. What did he write? He began to expose their sin. Got to understand what goes around comes around. If you judge people, you know what it says, uh, 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 not to judge people. It means don't tell people they can't be forgiven. That's what it means. Don't tell people what you've done cannot be forgiven. That's what it means. Because if you judge others, then God will judge you. Go with me to John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, you know, and in that word world are people who have gotten divorced. In that word world are people who have had abortions. In that word world are people who have been homosexuals or lesbians. In that word world are people who have been drug addicts and dope dealers. In that word world are people who are self-righteous. Do you know self-righteousness is harder to, for, harder to get delivered of than heroin? Because self-righteous don't think they have a problem. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, say whoever. whoever. See, there's no, there's no, there's no uh, a footnote to that. Whoever believes, except those who have been divorced. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son or the church into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. 
But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Our job is not to tell people, you know what, you, you, know, you did too big of a sin for God to ever fully forgive you. Our job is to tell the world, come unto him, all of you who are heavy laden in labor, and God will give you rest. God did not come into the world. doesn't matter what it is. Even murderers can be forgiven and used by God. Adulterers can be get forgiven and used by God. People who have been divorced can be forgiven and used. Even religious people can be forgiven and used by God. Not very often, but it does happen. <laughs> Isaiah says in Isaiah 43, 25, God says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. Now watch this. Listen to this. I, even I, God says, am he who blots out your transgressions. Now listen to the next part. For my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. God said, I, 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 even I will blot out your transgression for my sake. And I'll not remember your sins. God said, I'm going to take whatever it is you did. And I am going to throw it in the deepest part of the ocean, sink it to the bottom of the ocean, put a sign that says no diving And I do it because of me, because I love you so much that even while you and I were sinners, he loved us so much, he sent Christ to pay the price in full. It is finished for everyone except those who have been divorced. Isn't that insanity? And yet you hear it all the time. There was a man when I first got saved. And he's gone on to be with the Lord. I have never seen anybody move in the Holy Spirit the way he did. His name was, well, maybe I won't say his name because I don't know if his family's still alive or what. But this guy, he would, he would come in the church and call you out and say, um, uh, Sir, you were at, on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, you were at a Dr. Brown's office. And he said there was a shadow on your kidney. And they're doing a test on that, and you're supposed to get the results tomorrow. And they're going to find out there's nothing wrong with that. God's healed you right now. I, I, I mean, I've never, in, I've never to this day seen anybody. I mean, that's a big difference, you know, than when God says there's somebody out there. I saw him one time I used to, when I was a young convert. He was mentoring me in the Holy Spirit. And I saw him one time. We we're in a huge church. And I was standing next to him as he'd pray for people. And, and, uh, and uh, he called out the assistant pastor of this church. And he said, I want everybody just to begin to shout praises unto God. And the place, ah, and he whispered. I was standing there and whispered in the, in the assistant pastor's Never been in this church before. Didn't know the guy. And he said, if you don't stop sleeping with your secretary, God's going to judge you. you. You better heard from God. You better, you better hear from God on that one. This guy 
I mean, the most humble, kind, but I mean, when he came to town, we all started repenting because we knew, (laughs) we knew he'd see. Well, fasted and laid hold of God and, but the guy's wife Years and years before, unfaithful, time after time after time after time after time, unfaithful. And finally he said, I can't stand anymore. And they yanked his license. And he said, you can't, you can't preach anymore. See, that's religion, guys. Matter of fact, you know, and I don't want to get into it because it'll cause too much controversy. But I'll just say it. There's times you, you, you ought not stay married. If there's abuse... Now, I know, I know what religion says. Well, you just stay there. And I, and I shared on Sunday that I was in a meeting in a big church here. Wonderful, wonderful man of God. And, and, and they were, they were give these, these doctors of psychiatry and doc, people from the, from the uh, secular world said, we bury too many Christian women who stay in an abusive situation because the church says you got to put up with it. I got two daughters. Anybody hits my daughters, I'm going to the Holy Ghost, Smith, and Wesson. And then let me lay that out because I got one that still has to get married. Amen. If somebody comes to me and because of the church world and they said, number one, if they're abusing a child or they're abusing anybody, we tell them, get out now. Get separated now. If God will, if God will save him, God will save him while you're safe. Is it okay for me to teach this? God will save him while you're safe. But we're not saying, this is insanity. This is people who do not understand the word of God. You're going to let your daughter stay in a relationship that's abusive? I don't have time to get into it, but my Bible says if they depart from the faith, let them go. And you got to understand the Hebrew. Somebody that's abusing physically abusing a a, a woman or a child. Now, if your wife is beating you up, we got other problems. But do you see how legalism causes so many problems? Okay. Here's a guy that was incredible gift of God. How many gifts in the body of Christ are not being used because of the misunderstanding of divorce? I, I, I got to tell you another story, and I wasn't going to do this. There was a man that Tiz and I met um, when we first went in the ministry. And this guy had, had a, a friend of mine met him. He was a house painter. He'd been out of the ministry for 15 years. And the reason he was out of the ministry was because they, his, his wife ran off with somebody else and left him. Man of God. Tremendous man of God. Well, your divorce, your fault, his fault, their fault, her fault, no God's done with you. And somebody met him, and he had him in his church. The church was about 30 or 40 people. He said, you're not going to believe this guy. So he said, I'd invite him up. So Tiz and I were pastoring in Santa Fe. And uh, this, I, I don't think I've ever told this story publicly. This guy had the most incredible ministry 
of, of, of deliverance you have ever seen in your life. I'm not talking about people are, you know, and, and the whole show. I'm talking about real thing. We're walking down the street, Santa Fe, New Mexico. How many have ever seen the movie Twins with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger? Shame on you. That's secular. Um, remember when they got the matching suits on? And they're walking. That's, that's, that's downtown Santa Fe. That's the uh, Santa Fe Center. And we were right there. And, and we we're walking down the street. And this guy had to be 300 yards away. This, this before God, true story. 300 yards away, walking the other way. And we're walking down. He's talking to me about the supernatural, being sensitive to the supernatural. Before God, honest truth. And he said, see that guy down there? It's three, two, 300 yards away. And I said, yeah. And he goes, that guy's demon-possessed. When he said it, the guy went and ran up to us and went, ah! And he said, I bind you in the name of Jesus. The guy got delivered, got saved right there. Before God. Before God. Before God. We were sitting in that plaza the next day having lunch. And I'm asking him about this. He said, the Holy Spirit's real. He said, you've got to learn to feel and hear the voice of God. When we can learn to hear the voice of God, we're not going to have so many battles. We may have bigger battles because the reward's bigger, but we're going to go around these little nitpicking battles. We're going to walk in the victory of God. He's, I'm sitting in the restaurant with him. Tiz and I, we're in a booth. His back is like this to the windows. We're well, from here to the, to the monitors away from the, 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 the street, the windows. His back's to it, and Tiz and I are sitting there, and he's talking to me about hearing the voice of God. And he said, when you start walking in the spirit, he said, it'll stir up the spirit world. There's a guy, when he's saying this, before God, this uh, truth, these guys, when he says this, this guy's walking by the window, all of a sudden he goes, he comes in the restaurant here, and he gets in the pew behind, and, and he's, he's in the, in the uh, booth behind, and, and he's talking to me, and he goes, he's behind me, isn't he? And I said, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been in the ministry a whole six months. I'm thinking, man, I'm going back to drug dealing. It's safer. This guy preached for us unbelievable revival. Unbelievable revival. Next church he went to, he preached for two days. They threw him out because they found out he was doors. The guy's never been back in the ministry. How many people are not seeing the destiny of God because of this wrong teaching that's come to bring condemnation from people who do not understand the word of God. Go with me to uh, 1 John. Can I give you a couple more? 1 John. And, and, and you know what? Uh, I'm not going to argue with people about it. I'm not going to debate people. Well, what about this? Here's, here's what about this. There is no sin. How many have ever seen that movie, The Hiding Place, with Corey Ten Boom? She's a Gentile Christian woman, her and her sister, in, in Germany or Poland that, that hid Jews from the Nazis, Christians that hid Jews from the Nazis. True story. It's a, it's a phenomenal story. And uh, they eventually got arrested 
and went to, went to uh, Auschwitz as prisoners. In, in the story, her sister is dying. And, and her sister says to Corey, Corey, don't hate. Don't hate. Can you imagine the horror of Auschwitz? Her sister dies. Horribly, they're horribly beaten, horribly tortured. So she's testifying uh, uh, in, in this big auditorium, and she ends it with my sister. Her dying words were, Corey, don't hate. Corey, don't hate. That's what the enemy wants you to do, hate. And so she's greeting people, and this lady comes up to her and says, do you recognize me? And, and Corey Tim Boom says, no, I don't recognize you. She said, I'm the prison guard who beat your sister to death. And Corey Tim Boom ends the, the story with that, that there is no sin that his love is not deeper. Amen. Now, if someone from Auschwitz can be forgiven... And that testimony is used by God. That that testimony changed my life. If God can use someone who was involved with one of the greatest sins there was in the history of mankind, use that testimony, he can't use someone who's gone through a divorce? It's insanity. It doesn't even make sense, much less... Understanding the love of God. Amen? First John chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not, not 90% of it or 95% of it, all of it. So if we, if, you know, when I came to the Lord and confessed that I was a drug addict and a drug dealer, he forgave me of all that. If someone comes and confesses that they were a homosexual or a lesbian or a prostitute or an adulterer or an idolater or a fornicator or divorced, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And so if God cleanses us from all unrighteousness, don't let anybody put a label back on you. Can I have an amen? Amen. Go with me to Ephesians. We'll we'll end here. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. To the praise and the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. How are you accepted? How are you and I accepted by God? By grace. By grace we are saved, not by works, lest any man should boast. It doesn't matter. You know, I, I, you know, I shared this story that, you know, Tiz and I, you know, I'm from South St. Louis. Tiz is from Helena, Montana. And I, I think I shared this in a service here Wednesday or Sunday, and I've shared it for years, that when, when I was running the coffee house and Tiz and I met, you know, and she'd give her testimony, she'd say, you know what, Larry was a $1,000 sinner and I was a nickel sinner. You know, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you were a nickel sinner or a million-dollar sinner. Doesn't matter. 
There's none righteous. No, not one. But by grace are we saved. Not by our own works. So it doesn't matter, doesn't matter if you're born and raised in church and, 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 and you're the tutor of Mother Teresa, you still needed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Doesn't matter if you were divorced or a, or a drug addict or, a, or a whatever, we all are saved by grace, not by works. Can I have an amen? amen. So there is no condemnation. No condemnation. Let me close with this. Just, just, you know, uh, why does the devil use condemnation so much? What's his purpose? Why, why does Satan use condemnation? Why does Satan use uh, personal condemnation, preaching condemnation, uh, uh, doctrinal condemnation, uh, church condemnation? Why does he use it? If we're already saved, what, what does he care? Because the Bible says that you and I are to come boldly before the throne of God. That word boldly means with confidence. So when we come before before God, if the devil can steal our confidence and say, you're not worthy, there is nothing we can do to make him break covenant. So what does the devil do? The devil convinces you and I we're not worthy. So when we go to pray, instead of coming boldly, This is one of the main reasons why Christians don't get their prayers answered. Because we begin to pray and the devil begins to tell us through false doctrine, through sermons, through, through, listen, God convicts us of our sin. Satan condemns us of our sin. There's a big difference. The reason why the Lord convicts us is because he wants us to stop sinning so that he can bless us. What did we say? God says, I, even I, remove all your, all your, right for my sake. So he comes and convicts us, says, don't do that. That's going to block what I want to do. You can, you can never steal as much as God wants to give you. Amen. Amen. You can never have as much fun in the world as you can serving God. Can't. So he'll lie to you. So then the Bible says that we're to come boldly before the throne of God. When you understand there is no condemnation, it's under the blood. You know, I, I think it's a good illustration. We had the, the sugar, we had the family out for our house some weeks ago for Shabbat. And, uh, and uh, uh, you know, we had uh, Luke and uh, Jen and Ann and Brannon and Katie and Tiz and I and the sugars, the grand sugars. And uh, Anna was telling the sugars they couldn't do something, and they wanted to do something. I, I don't remember what it was. And she said, Mom said no. And they look at her and they go, I'm going to Saba. I'm going to Saba. Because they know they can come boldly before the throne of Saba and get whatever they're asking for. Well, you know what? I have limit what I can do. But our Heavenly Father has no limit in what He can do. So there is no condemnation. Can I have an amen? Amen. Say this out loud. I have no condemnation. As a matter of fact, if the devil condemns you, you ought to be excited. 
Because if he's condemning you, and I mean this a thousand percent, it's because he's afraid of what God's getting ready to do.